Oh, this is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. Oh, it's a... Oh, Donald Trump just texted me. Donald Trump, Trump just texted all of us. Yeah, I hate it. I hate Donald it so Trump's much. texting us. I, I, I just... I'm ignoring him. So... <laughs> it's like, hey... I just I just blocked it. Anyway. You up? Hey, you up. Um W Y D. W C Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats focused podcast about UJ football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. So, welcome everyone to our Vandy preview. Today we're going to be talking about what to expect from the Vandy game, what you need to look for, what we want to see, and then also some history and other marginalia that keeps things spicy. Um, yeah. So, so, hello, Justin. Let's... Hello, Nathan. <laughs> let, how are you doing? So, let's start with our normal subjective narratives. And usually the first thing we do in our subjective narratives is a little bit of... Um, history so give us a history lesson on vandy please yes get to know the vanderbilt commodores the old vanderbilt commodores so um they are from nashville tennessee uh up in the northern half of tennessee i've actually been past their stadium it's a really cool looking stadium it you can kind of see it overlooking from um well there's like a, a highway that runs through the town as you're getting to like one side of the town to the other and it's kind of lifted um up a bit and so you can kind of see the stadium from out you know from that highway but it's pretty neat if you've never been to nashville i definitely suggest it i've only been there for a night and it was a wild night uh it's a good 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 time so nashville their first football team was founded in 1890, and four years later, they founded what was called the Southern Intercollegiate Athletics Association. It was founded by a Dr. William Dudley, who sounds like a plantation owner that makes peanuts or something. The other, <laughs> the other teams that founded the SIAA were Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Johns Hopkins, Sewanee, and Vanderbilt, of course. The uh, North Carolina and Virginia were on the original charter of this association, but they ended up dropping out due to uh, just lack of enough sports uh, sports teams and whatnot and focus on other things. Uh, their current coach is Derek Mason. This is his fourth season. And uh, Derek Mason, sometimes I'm just kind of su still surprised he has a job after all of the, the hilarious blunders that have kind of occurred under Derek Mason. He probably still has a job. He probably still has a job because he beat georgia two years ago yeah i'll that be honest could very well be it uh the all-time record for vanderbilt's football program is 600 wins 613 losses and 50 ties uh one of those you know the the most prominent ties in in vanderbilt history was against the michigan wolverines it was the first year that dudley field named after that dr william dudley before was uh actually founded first game played there it ended in a 0-0 tie against the later uh national championship team michigan wolverines of course so the only blemish that came on that record that year was that tie against vanderbilt vanderbilt also went on to have an 8-0-1 season so they had a, an unclaimed national championship or national championship title because back then it was just based off of like you did it great job you know this poll right. yeah, is you a won, national champion you won, but, i was about to say yeah you won the four games that you played and now we're gonna claim this national championship dude you have a great what? quote here from that first yeah. game <laughs> So from that very first game, this kind of, um, we found, you know, the, the Vanderbilt fight song is called Dynamite, like with an exclamation point in the title and some very dark lyrics, actually, throughout yeah, that song that the, Nathan has. 
yeah, down the field with blood to yield. I mean, come on. That's real metal. Uh, but then I have a quote here from the pregame, like the pregame warmups were going on, and a Coach McGuinn was there in the locker room with the Vanderbilt Commodores before the game talking about the Michigan team that had come down, and he said to the the players there, you're going against Yankees, some of whose grandfathers killed your grandfathers. He was referring to the Civil War. And uh, he kind of pointed out, because there was a cemetery nearby, it was a military cemetery, and he said, out there lie the bones of your grandfathers, and down on that field are the grandsons of the Yankee soldiers who put them there. And uh, it's apparently cited quite often uh, because his father was an officer in the Union Army, which is kind of hilarious, given the circumstances of the situation. But the game did, of course, end in a 0-0 tie, which, by all standards, Michigan was the favorite team by a, a, a big, big margin. So there you have it, the Vanderbilt Commodores. So there's our history lesson for today. Um, I don't really think, in terms of subjective narratives going into this game, I, I think many people are viewing this game as a warm-up to the LSU game, which is probably pretty insulting to Vandy, but whatever, win some games, and then it'll be less insulting. And I think they're seeing this as a warm-up to the LSU game, but also, you know, looking to see if UGA is going to continue on its very sloppy sort of hodgepodge approach to offense and defense where one thing is good and the other thing is bad and we're relying on luck and all that. So, I mean, that's kind of the only narrative I can see is that UGA should win this game. And, you know, the corollary is UGA should win this game in a semi-dominant fashion if it wants to have a chance to beat LSU. So I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but that's also what I think people are looking for. I mean, there's not really a lot of chatter about this game. Uh, there's it, not. It's unfor- it's unfortunate that there's two or three. I mean, we're we're coming up on a run of very interesting, fun games that'll be really good to talk about. But we've had two or three games, especially the first few SEC games here at the beginning, where sort of the the narratives have not been. There haven't been a lot of narratives to debunk, really. Yeah, and everybody kind of knows what's about to happen. It's it's not. I mean, it's our homecoming. It was just kind of funny that the Vanderbilt game is our homecoming against another SEC in conference cha- uh, contender well, last time but, we had vanderbilt as our last time we had vanderbilt as our homecoming we lost but i don't think that's what this uh team is going to do i'm just saying yeah i don't think that's the situation this time around it, it Not, can ha- I, I haven't even read an article referring back to that other than just saying yeah that happened but it, it hasn't been a thing it's like and the players it's looming over their heads and this and that and aren't yeah, you well, worried we that already- this happens again we already got the revenge tour going on these guys last year so i'm not really that concerned about it um Let's see. Do you want to go over some advanced stats? Let, let's let's look at how why we are not concerned about it. S and P plus update for Vandy as of this last week. Vandy is currently three and two. They are three point three. They have three point three second order wins, which means they've won basically the number of games they should have won. They are overall overall S and P plus. Vandy is ranked sixty fourth overall in offensive S and P plus. They are eighty first overall in defensive S and P plus. They are fifty fourth. Um, their special teams S&P Plus, they are 102nd. Last week, they are 58th, and they went down six spots after losing to um, Notre Dame. So, you know, this is just kind of a stock average teams. There's like 120 teams. 100, there's 118 teams in the uh, NCAA, I think, right now. And so that puts them basically right at the halfway mark. Um they are slightly better on defense than they are on offense. They have sort of a Derek Mason is a coach who came from Stanford, uh, Stanford under um, Shaw out there, David Shaw out there. So he kind of wants to run the sort of Stanford model of like play really good defense, run the ball, have an accurate quarterback. 
um, if we look kind of into their five factors, where those stats come from, um, offensively, they are 70th in success rate, 72nd in marginal efficiency, 32nd in ISOPP plus, uh, 33rd in marginal explosiveness. Um, that kind of makes sense because they have a really, they have a pretty good, uh, quarterback who should play in the NFL at some point, probably, uh, Kyle Shermer. Average field position, they are 72nd. Points per scoring opportunity. This one's not great. They are 114th. So they basically are, they're averaging 3.85 points per scoring opportunity um, on offense, which means that basically they're way more likely to get a uh, field goal than they are to get a touchdown. So you're not converting in the red zone well. They are 108th in expected expected turnover margin and 63rd in actual turnover margin. They're getting about two points per game of turnover luck on offense. Um, defensively, they are 102nd in uh, success rate. They are 91st in marginal efficiency. They are 14th in ISOPP plus, and they are 17th in marginal explosiveness. Kind of a very similar profile, honestly, to um, UGA, having that um, very high marginal efficiency number and a very low explosiveness number. Explosiveness number. They are 66th in field position. They are 24th in finishing drives, and yeah. That's that's sort of their five factors footprint. You got anything based on that? Just like those sort of top line stats. Yeah, just looking at down that defensive footprint, they're not much. We're not much better than them in a few places, which is not necessarily concerning. It's just something to observe. Other than our explosiveness, we're first in the nation on both isoppp and marginal explosiveness. Yeah, well, I I. I w- I will say our, our marginal efficiency is better than theirs, even though our explosiveness is, even though our success rate is slightly worse. So, which I would argue that the marginal efficiency is, is if it's that much higher then it's usually a bit more important. That's probably the one that matters the more. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that has some talent on offense. They haven't really been able to convert that talent into results. Um, Kyle Shermer is 99 for 159 for 1200 yards this year. He has nine touchdowns, four interceptions. He's a 62.3% completion rate and 12.4 yards for completion. That's pretty good. He has a very good sack rate, uh, 2.5%. He's got a positive marginal efficiency. He's got a positive marginal explosiveness. So, like, this is a, actually a pretty decent quarterback. I mean, he's not Drew Locke, but he's not he's not a scrub either. They've got a couple of good – or they've got, you know, one good junior own running back. Keishon Vaughn is a pretty good running back. Um, he has 360 yards on the year. Uh, 6.4 yards per carry he's got pretty good highlight yards per opportunity so like you know he can flash he's not very efficient but he seems to be uh doing a pretty good job to this at this point this year like um mate when he does get in the open field he can make somebody miss yeah their leading receiver their, their leading receiver already has 480 yards i mean so like you know uh kalisha Lip, lipscomb so they definitely do have some talent on offense but uh they just haven't necessarily been able to translate that into actual points yeah, there's just not enough talent. There is a good bit of talent, but you got to be able to spread it around the field when you have someone like Kyle Shermer at the the helm of your offense. And he is a good quarterback by all means. Uh, looking down, just you know, across from first to fourth down, he's doing an all right job. Uh, they're doing an even better job in passing downs than they are doing in standard downs. But just kind of across the board, you can tell where he makes a difference, and then kind of where the shortcomings come from this offense. I'm not really that concerned about their offense. I'll be honest. Their defense. Um... It, despite those sort of like kind of bad top line stats, their defense actually has some um, a little bit better. Um, if you drill down, their uh, stats are a little bit better for them. I mean, rushing marginal efficiency, they are 96. That's not great. Rushing marginal explosiveness, they're 13th. That's very good. Um, they're pretty good at preventing the the passing marginal explosiveness. They're 40th, right? But 
this is not a team that is forcing people to this is definitely like a bend 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 and a lot of times break defense um their marginal explosiveness numbers are pretty good but their uh their marginal efficiency numbers are definitely very much not good and there's no like you know with uga there's some uh deeper level stats that kind of show you like oh well some of this is like you know they just really don't want to give up the big play and maybe they have a little bit of top problem at inside linebacker and then on this team there's not really a a, a bottom line stat there's not a, a hidden stat that kind of shows you that they're better than they look like um if we look at their offensive and defensive footprints their sort of personality stats their standard down run rate they're 95th in the nation 53.1 percent so they're they're throwing slightly more than they pass on standard downs um or they're sorry, they're passing slightly more than is average for the nation on standard downs, which makes sense because Kyle Sherman is kind of the focal point of their offense. Pass down run rate, they are 88th. Uh, kind of makes the same kind of sense. Uh, adjusted pace, 114th. Percentage of solo tackles, 44th. And uh, havoc, rate allo- havoc rate allowed, and this is an interesting one for our defense, 101st. Their uh, standard down run rate against defensively um, is 49th. Their pass down run rate is 70th. Overall havoc rate is 113th. 124th uh, D-line Havoc rate, 32nd LB Havoc rate, 98th DB Havoc rate, and their uh, passes defense to interceptions is uh, 102nd in the nation. So they are not very aggressive at all at going through the interceptions. So, I mean, you know, this is a team, it's really funny because a lot of times, like, I try to do the, like, well, but if you look at the Mm -hmm. real stats, this is kind of what you think. But I I really... um, I don't know. I mean, this is a team that is just average, and we should beat the hell out of this team. The, the current yeah. projected uh, S&P Plus has this as being a 25.5-point win for us. They have a 7% pregame win probability. So, I mean, that kind of feels about right, honestly. Yeah, which is about where we were for the Tennessee game, with that one coming in at 26.5. And, and I actually feel like uh, there's a better chance that we go past this one on this game than there is against Tennessee. Tennessee has more athletes on defense than these guys do. They have a couple of good athletes on defense, but not the way Tennessee does. And Tennessee didn't have as many as they needed to stop us. So yeah, I'm not that concerned about it, mainly because I think this is the kind of team where the really annoying play calling from uh, Jim Chaney will work. So I think we're just going to kind of beat the hell out of this team and lean on him the whole time. I mean, yeah, you I got anything? That. I mean, looking at looking into this, like, do you have anything that you want to you think is worthwhile to pull out from Vandy stats or that you're worried about with our stats or whatever? I wouldn't say worried. It's more just kind of, you know, one thing we can do with these stats is we can at least see how the game will look and it'll help us build towards um, things we want to see over-unders in our actual physical predictions. One thing we can fill our our time here with, because as you said, there isn't a lot to talk about, is just kind of going down and saying like, well, let's see. Something that we want to see from our team is we want to see more havoc from the D-line. We want to see more havoc from the middle linebackers, inside linebackers. Uh, But for instance, this team has a, a really great standard down sack rate and so they're just not getting sacked on standard downs and in addition to that i know that kyle Shermer has a pretty low sack rate as well right yeah 2.5 so like things like that like that's not what we're going to see out of this game from us and if it is then fantastic um because that's something we've been hoping for i i think you know part of the reason why he's good at a uh, taking he's really good at avoiding taking the sacks because he just throws the ball away which is i mean there's something to be said for that um I don't know. I mean, I really, I, I think we might be able to pad out the havoc rate on these guys, get some more tackles yeah. for loss, get a couple more sacks. Even if we don't get as many sacks, like you said, because Kyle Shermer doesn't take sacks all that much, I think that we'll see. Well, it'll look pretty good. What do you want to see from this game? 
what do I want to see? I, I kind of, honestly, now that we are on, this is like the eve of the toughest part of our schedule, I just want to see another conservative game. I want to see a, a no frills kind of boring game from us. I don't think we're, I mean, you, you mentioned this is a game that we could probably pad our, our Havoc rate with, but I don't necessarily uh, expect that to happen just because, mm-hmm. as you said last week, a big thing was like, hey, um, we want to make sure that we're playing more conservatively because there's a smaller margin for error one. And also mm-hmm. we just can't, you know, we, we can't risk having uh, the injuries now, especially with the injuries we already have and the, the pieces yeah. we're trying to get back, which most of those yeah. guys, the, the big pieces, you know, minus what, uh, Ben Cleveland, they're all going to probably come back by next week, I hope. But other than that, I mean, it, you know, it's just not, it's not a game we're going to risk a whole lot on, I feel. So it's hard yeah, to say. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think... I want us to throw the ball a little bit more and not in an aggressive, like, like high risk way. I just want to see us throwing just to show that we can. Um, I want us to be dominant on defense. I think we looked pretty dominant last week, but I want us to even prevent, you know, we basically gave up three big plays to Tennessee. I'd like us to give up like no big plays until garbage time, especially in the first half. And I just want to put the game away. Like I kind of just to echo what you said, put the game away. Just let there be no doubt. Like this is the first time we're going to have the opportunity to do light up Sanford this year. And so that's going to be a bummer if people leave. And so that's annoying. But I really think that, you know, we need to go into the fourth quarter with this not being a competitive game. Yeah, I definitely think that I, I foresee this being a lot closer to like the South Carolina game. Just um, yeah, pretty conservative. Uh, nothing crazy explosive, but a, a true controlling the ball, um, keeping possession of the clock and everything and making sure that it's just an easy, simple, like textbook basic game from our point. And that's that's kind of what I'm seeing. I think we'll control it, you know, both on offense and defense. But I don't think that anything absolutely insane will happen because we're not going to be backed into any corners to have to do anything like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that we're going to I mean, I, I think, you know, I think that, like you said, it is going to be the, the shallow end of the playbook this week. But I think even then we should be able to pass on these guys. And I want to show that we can pass on these guys. I mean. Overall, even though they are mu- they are much better at explosiveness than they are at efficiency, but if you look at their overall rushing S and P plus, like their their rushing S and P plus numbers are worse by a little bit than their passing, but not by a lot. Like yeah. so, you know, seventy six passing marginal efficiency, fortieth marginal explosiveness, uh, one hundred and six passing completion rate. Like this was a good day to get J- to get Justin Fields going on a little bit more of the passing playbook, mm-hmm. and you know I think Jake Fromm's going to have a fine day against these guys because they don't they don't really give us a lot. It doesn't look like they're going to really give us a lot of havoc. I mean, they have the 13th sack rate in the nation overall, uh, passing down their sack rate is 90th, uh, standard down their sack rate is 34th. So, I mean, Oh no, 58th sack rate. Sorry. So I, I don't really see this as being something where like Jake Fromm's going to take a sack or two and then frustrate us or whatever. But I do think that like, I, I think a lot of the development of this team relies on us, us getting Justin Fields to be a reliable passing threat when we do put him in so that teams can't just run blitz the crap out of him. Um, and if, I, if we can do that, then I think this will be a, a very worthwhile game in and of itself. If Justin Fields just has a big day with his arm or just a marginal day with his arm, I will be very satisfied. Before we get too much further, do you want to look back on that Notre Dame game they had and kind of discuss? So that would be the one team that would be most similar to us and they had a 53% post game win expectancy coming out of that. That's the game that they lost to Notre Dame, but they lost it in the last few minutes and it was definitely yeah, their game to lose. So I guess this was 2 weeks ago, not last week. Um it was 3 weeks so, ago, yeah. So it was Notre Dame won 22 to 17. 
Kyle Shermer was 26 for 43, one touchdown, one interception. Kayshawn Vaughn had was 10 had 10 carries for 54 yards for with for one touchdown. Um honestly, on the one hand, yes, this looks like I mean to me what this looks like is Vandy just played really stingy defense. If you look at their defensive um right, like Ladarius Wiley, who is a very good um linebacker for them, he has five tackles, five assists, no sacks, no interceptions. Um, lots of good like five six tackle numbers in their in their defense but I watched part of this game and I think really the biggest thing for me was that Brandon Wimbush was the one who was the in there most of the game mm-hmm. um, Brandon Wimbush was 13 for 23 for 122 yards no touchdowns no picks Ian Book was three for three for 13 yards with one touchdown so like this was not a game where the Notre Dame that we see now where they have Ian Book in there and who's just like scoring 30, 40 points a game. This was not that game because they still had Brandon Wimbush. And, you know, the thing about Brandon Wimbush is he cannot push you vertically down the field. So what does this Vandy team do well? They prevent the they prevent the explosive play. So if you're already good at preventing the explosive play, and then on top of that, you know that the opponent's quarterback cannot push you down the field, you're going to be even better at keying in on trying to get the on trying to stop them uh, from being efficient. And it's pretty clear clear that Vandy, who I think has a very good coaching staff, that was their plan, right? They know they're like, okay, well, we know that Brandon Wimbush is not going to hurt us above our heads, so we're just going to pin our ears back and run run blitzes all the time, and it's going to work. And it did. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and and, and even just kind of looking over Notre Dame's numbers but just looking at their numbers they don't look like what are they now eighth are they lower than eighth like sixth or seventh in the league now they're ninth s&p plus but i don't know what ap poll has them coming out at yeah they're like fifth or sixth i think yeah their their s&p plus numbers are not they don't look like ours is what i'm trying to say they do not have an elite offense and i think a lot of that is coming from exactly what you said is the first half of the season being more of a, a winbush uh, effort and then their their defense is not as good as our defense either really um they they come in at total i mean S&P they have plus a lot five, but yeah yeah i mean their their defense their defense is very athletic and they're way more athletic yeah. than they have been in the past when we played them mm-hmm. last year even you could tell that like they had a very very good defense but they didn't quite have like sec talent on on the defensive side of the ball and this year they do and i think that's the big the big difference uh let's do some over-unders you ready for that this is gonna be a short episode i think you guys can already tell we're only like 20 minutes in right now and we're already kind of like halfway through um Whoops. and that's fine uh, i think um all of our episodes have been pretty long <laughs> this yeah, season. Yeah, our episodes have been pretty long this season. And look, we—I had to say this last week against Tennessee. You can you can lose this game. Vandy's well coached. They beat us before. Derek Mason is what one and one against Kirby Smart. So uh, we can lose this game. I just don't think we're going to. And not just because Vandy uh, is not as talented a team as us, but because they are not talented in a way that does not match up against us very well. So let's do some over unders. Um, I'm gonna say. Justin Fields, uh, over under five passes thrown. I think it's under still. I just don't think that's. You're I mean, gonna say under. Yeah, I'm gonna say under just because we've we've seen Justin Fields throw, of course, but he just doesn't throw often. I think the most he's thrown in a game is what like f- maybe he has thrown five times in a game or at least five attempts, I believe, but it just doesn't happen very often. Uh, well, hold on. Let me let me actually change this. I want I want to change it to four point five so that we can't push. Okay. Does that change oh, your yeah, answer? That's... I'm gonna say over. I think, and this is kind of wishful thinking on my part. I just think that. He, we need to get him more involved and we've seen him get more and more involved. And I think we're going to get to the point where like, maybe he can do a little bit more of the offense and this would be a good defense to do it against. While I do agree, he has actually had eight attempts is the most he's thrown. Eight attempts against Austin P, which he completed seven and then eight attempts against Middle Tennessee, which he completed six. And then, uh, the other, he didn't throw it all in Missouri through twice at Tennessee and once at South Carolina, but I just don't think we see him in a lot of play. I, I know we've seen him in a, a few options, 
that are designed as options, but not a lot of plays that are designed specifically for him to drop back and pass. And so I think we'll probably continue to see him in RPOs, but not with a big weight on the running side. So I still think this is an under game for me. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, All right, what do you got? Uh, I want to see over under UGA one and a half interceptions. Like sure, we don't throw two against. I think we're going to get interceptions. Yeah. yeah, he threw two against Tennessee State last week. Yeah, Shermer gave up two interceptions against a bad Tennessee State team, uh, which caused them to almost lose the game. They had a seven percent post game win expectancy, and it was mostly attributed to those turnovers that turned into the touchdowns. And so, um, what do you I'm see? I'm going to say on. I'm going to say under tentatively because I think you just had a bad game. I think I think we'll almost certainly get one, but I, I don't know if I could see two. Okay. I will also say under. I, I'm, I'm feeling a one interception, but I I think there is a world where they, they get far enough behind and he just has to keep throwing the ball and keep throwing the ball and putting it into bad situations. Yeah. And I think that our secondary oh, is now better you're, than you're their like receiving ta- core. You're, you're talking me into it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You know what? Take the over. Take you the want over. the over? Okay. Yeah, I'll take the over. I'll go under uh, just to you're mix like- it up. You're conning me here. All right, over <laughs> under for this points wise, over under fifty two points scored. Uh, over. I do believe fifty two points. Too. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, my predicted score is over on this one as well. So yeah, mine is. I'm well. taking over. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about over under Shermer throwing for two hundred pass yards? Under. And uh, he so on average, I want to say. He's got 1,300 pass yards over... He's averaging somewhere around... 200 or so. That's right around his two. His yeah, average. He's, that's right around his average. Yeah, 1,300 passing over so yeah, five it's, it's games. Whether or not you believe he's going to go over or he's going to be over his average or below average. So 200 is right on his average. Well, it's like 260 is his average right now or somewhere uh-huh. around there. But I just feel like we're going to hold him below his average. So I'm going to say under. Okay. I definitely think he's going to need to throw. I think their points are going to come from explosive points or explosive plays because that's that's just kind of what's going to happen. Uh, he's averaging a uh, a thirty. I think it's a his long for most of these games has been right around the thirty yard um, pass, and so I'm going to go over. Agreed. All right. Um, next, over under UGA two hundred passing yards. All of us total. I think that's over. I think this is a game that we definitely have to bring our, our passing confidence back. Yeah, I think we need to, and I think we will. I, I, I mean, that game, you know, the more I think about it against UT, uh, we got an email from a reader, uh, from Kyle Andrich, actually, who was guest. He, he, he was a guest host on this show for a show that never made the air, but whatever. Um, we had a game last week where just two or three things went wrong, and we were two or three plays away from it being a much bigger game. So I'm not that concerned about it. I just wanted to see where your head was at. Yeah, I'm going to take over as well. It kind of scares me to say over just because I know that Jake Fromm's not exactly like the passing guy. But if and and we're not sitting here playing. Well, like, Kirby Smart's not exactly the passing. He's guy, not the passing guy. I would guy, say yeah. over. I would say over just because like if we have a, an end around to McCole Hardman that goes for seventy, we're like yeah. almost halfway there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's going to happen. My last piece is I would like to break their streak and snag a snack snag a snack um i would like to break the streak and snag a sack in their standard downs so i want to i my over under is uh 0.5 sacks in standard downs on Shermer. um let me go for 0.5 sacks let's go for over i also am going to say over just to make this not yeah, very I, I, interesting i just think yeah i know i don't want to be boring but i just really think that this is like this is like, it's one of those games where 
we really just should be more talented for them than them. And if you add, you asked me two sacks, I'd probably go under or one and a half. I'd go under, but I just feel like that we have enough talent that eventually one of them is going to get home. Yeah. Even though this has not been a team that has a lot of sacks this year, I just think it's a kind of a talent thing at this point. All right. You ready for score predictions? I mean, I'm just going to say 42 to 17. I think this is a pretty (laughs) comfortable game throughout. I think this is a game that they will probably score one touchdown in the first, one touchdown in the second, and that that three points might come like at the halftime, at halftime. And I just I don't really know that they have the offensive talent to keep up with us, even if we had a we have a bad day on defense. I think this is I think this is kind of a get right game where we do. This is a team that's going to play really hard, and they always do, um, because you know that's just the kind of Stanford identity that Derek Mason has brought in. But I just don't see this being a team that can really run with us long term. Yeah, I see that. And I, I definitely think that Vanderbilt, they're going to want to come in and try and prove themselves as well. Unlike what we, you know, we, we've said a, a few times with the coaches that came from like Middle Tennessee and Austin P. those coaches came in like with no thought about like, let's go in and let's embarrass these guys or let's go in and let's potentially win. They said, let's go in and have fun. But I can guarantee you that Derek Mason is, is saying, let's go in and prove ourselves against the number two game team in the nation. And so they're going to come, uh, as you would say, correct, or they're going to try to. And so that that's kind of what I... I wrote about in my my predictions piece too is that this is a team that on average is playing more to their percentile uh optimum than we are on average in every single game and that's something that i've looked at a lot is just percentile performance i think that's really important you know overall and just understanding and it kind of dispersing the the thought or the the eye test idea like looking at the team and saying i think they're playing well and you can kind of have a reference point with the percentile performance from the Bill Connolly stat sheet. So I really enjoy that piece. And and with that in mind, Vanderbilt has played uh, against Middle Tennessee, Nevada, and Notre Dame. And they played at 79%, 91%, 84% respectively to their percentile performance uh, optimum. And then last two weeks, they played against um, who like uh, South Carolina and Tennessee State. And they came in at 20% and 7% of their total uh, optimal performance. So it, it was a it was a rough couple weeks. But those first three weeks, I think, is the Vanderbilt that I was expecting to see this season. And I thought that they were going to yeah. be a bit more of a, a contender for the SEC East than they ended up being. But mainly mm-hmm. because I, I have a lot of respect for Kyle Shermer, and I think he's a very good quarterback. But I can see in this game, is, is this Vanderbilt team getting back to those first three games and actually giving us a, a little bit of trouble early on? But I don't think that this is a team that's going to kind of whittle us down over time I, I read a really great article from from a uh, that quoted elijah holyfield and he said that he can sit there on the sidelines and kind of watch the moment when a defense starts to break down and it just comes from mm-hmm. having fresh legs the entire game so in the fourth quarter your running backs and your your receivers are still running the way that they would you know in the beginning of the game and so i think that this is a team that will be able to do that too and that vanderbilt wants to be able to do that of course just like any team would but they just don't have the depth that we do and so I don't think that they're going to get as much done uh, efficiently as they have in the past, even though that's where their strength comes from. I definitely think that we're going to um, stop most of the explosiveness, but I think that we're going to be up a lot further than we have in the last few games at halftime. And they're going to pull a few explosive plays if they get uh, any points on the board from actual uh, plays that aren't field goals. I think they're going to get those, you know, later in the game during more of a garbage time than not. But with all that in mind, I'm looking at uh, UGA comes out on top 45-14. So that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Yeah, I think I like that. I think I like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I like, <laughs> you gave a lot more logic behind yours. So, I mean, you kind of like won me over to yours. I, I like it. <laughs> all right. Hey, can I just say, um, yeah, we're, we're, we, I've got a story to tell and then a couple of just like random notes before we get into Ask CBC here. 
Um, I have kind of a fun story from the Tennessee game that I forgot to tell because I'm an idiot. But then also, apparently today, a little bit of breaking news today as we record on Wednesday, Jaden Hazelwood, the number one or number three overall commit for 2019 and the number one overall wide receiver from 2019 has decommitted from Georgia today. This kind of just feeds into, I, I don't really want to get into his decommitment because it doesn't matter because there's still a pretty good chance he comes to UGA. He's been taking visits the whole process, so... Like, let's just see what happens. You know, Adam Anderson decommitted last year around this time and then ended up coming with us. So I'm not really that worried about it. Tell, talk to me in a couple of months. So, and you know, if we lose him, it stings to lose him. I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's a very good player. I just, I don't want to talk about the the recruiting ramifications of it. But what I would do want to talk about is that how fast did we get this spoiled? You know what I mean? Because like, <laughs> oh yeah, I know the, what you mean. The, 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 the reaction to this online has been like, well, we just got to throw more. Like, we're never going to win the national championship with our current offense. Or like, uh, this is a wake up call to Kirby that he's got to work harder and he's got to throw the ball. We can't just in- impose our will on teams. And it's like, guys, shut up. <laughs> just, just be quiet. Yeah. Shh, 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 shh. Just, just stop embarrassing yourself. You like we. I always thought we were better than Bama fans, but it's pretty clear that we're not. Um, anyway, that's all I had to say about that. So uh, l- let me tell a story that I thought was really cool and interesting and kind of like behind the inside inside baseball kind of thing. Um, so um, last Saturday, I one of the things that I had to do that the band director asked me to do on Saturday was they the because it was the CBS game they had a pylon can they had the pylon cans up uh, in all four corners of the two end zones and basically it was my job to make sure that we had people standing near each pylon cam to make sure the band didn't get near them because they're worth a bunch of money and we didn't want anybody kicking them over and if if they were going to get kicked over we had to ensure that the band wasn't the ones who did it right so i was over there with this you know with a couple of the other TAs and we had we had a TA or two at each pylon and this guy comes over wearing a CBS vest and he's like, oh, yeah, thanks for doing this for me. And I was like, oh, are you the person who runs the pylon cam? And we got to talking to him about like that whole setup. And it's very interesting. So basically, like there is a separate crew for every CBS game of like 17 people that just works on the pylon cams. There are wires that run under Sanford Stadium, like under the field that they put in last year that run under the field and come out at the pylons and like if the pylon cam gets knocked over, you can see there's like five or six wires just coming out of the ground there. He was just talking about how they're worth like thousands of dollars because they have six or four cameras in them. They have one on all three of the f- inward facing sides, like the the two edges of the field and then also into the field. And then they have one on top. And then they also apparently have two very expensive microphones inside of them. And um, he was saying that basically there's a whole like segment of the control truck for CBS games now that just deals with the pylon cams. Like that they're... The technology is that new and advanced and using it is that like important to CBS that they have a separate like a separate branch of their game day production that just does that. And I just thought it was really interesting, like kind of some of the stuff that he was telling us about what goes into the production of these games and how big of a production it is. And he was saying that like they have to get there super early, like everybody who does production does, but they also have to do like like on field test of everything. So like standing in different places on the field, just speaking in a normal voice to see what the pylon cams can pick up and stuff is very, very interesting. So yeah, I just thought I'd give that guy a shout out because he was very, he was very nice to us. And he talked to us all about like his day and how, you know, like these guys who do production, they basically just, they live, they live these like roving lifestyles. So he had like flown straight from Utah where he was on a shoot to do this game. And then he was going to fly back out to California and then he's going to LSU, Florida. And then he was going to fly to do like 
motocross in Seattle and then he's going to do the Florida game. And it's like pretty crazy, man. I just, I thought that was a cool story and I forgot to tell it before and I just wanted to yeah, put it in. That's a super cool story. Just kind of behind the scenes stuff. You don't realize like how it all works and that's just yeah. one of those things. And I, I guess. mean, I, I think people are interested in that. We actually got a question, a suggestion about doing like a Redcoats episode for our off week. I don't think we're of the same kind of stuff and I don't think we're going to do that. But I do think that like that is an that is an episode that we are actively looking into trying to set up going forward, especially into the summer. So there's a little preview for sure. Don't you forget it. So we'll get into everybody's. Oh, this is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. Oh, it's a oh, Donald Trump just texted me. Donald Trump just texted all of us. Did you get it too? Yeah, I hate it. Donald Trump so texting us. Ah! Okay. Anyway, I, I I just I'm ignoring him. So <laughs> it's like, hey, I just I just blocked it. Anyway, you up? Hey, you up? Um, <laughs> Let's get into our favorite segment. WYD. <laughs> yeah, SCBC. Um, first off, first on Ask CBC, our favorite segment where uh, listeners just like you ask us questions and we answer them as though we're qualified to. Mm-hmm. So first off, Irked Russell, have you ever reached out to Bill Connolly, Connolly and invited him to be on the podcast? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, because he, our podcast is not important. He doesn't um, even have time to do his own podcast. I guess podcast. we could. He'd say no, but... have you? If, if anybody out there has ever listened to... Uh, podcast ain't played nobody he's always him and him and the other guys on the show are always like all right let's go let's go let's go let's go we don't have time let's go let's go so i can't imagine reaching out to bill Connolly and saying hey do you want to come like bull on our stupid chucklehead podcast where you steal all your stats would that yeah. be okay with you I for mean, an hour like, and a half waiting since last saturday got him but i think that they got they him because will of leech. will leach yeah and nobody nobody like no no i mean we have not but he's gonna say no we will i'm yeah, gonna do I mean, i'm sure. gonna do that now yeah. If you want to, that's fine, but he's going to say no. I'm going to tweet at him um, and say, like, if there's a big game that we are in, as in the SEC Championship or the playoffs, Bill, would you be on our podcast <laughs> and come talk yeah. about the dogs and why or why not they deserve to win? Yeah, well, just PM him. Say, okay. don't, let him don't, don't let him blow us up in front of you. Although no, now this is going to be on the podcast and they'll know that, yeah, as you listen to this, Bill Connolly has already rejected us. So, Ryan Clark hashtag scbc with our elite level prevention of explosiveness on defense is there really that much to worry about about our defense that is i mean yeah i i I, there's not that much to worry about but you still got to worry about a team that can be efficient enough to exploit that defense and shorten the game so like teams that are teams that can just do like 10 minute long running drives or teams that are elite explosively themselves like that's still a concern it's not a concern against teams that have like a middling level of talent but it's a huge concern against teams like Alabama and LSU, who have a lot of talent on the edges, who can kind of push us in that explosiveness department. Yeah, but also, yeah, because uh, our... if, if if you can prevent one thing from happening, like if you can be good at explosiveness or good at efficiency, then like you can kind of muddle through. But you got to, I feel like you got to be good at both at points in the season. Yeah, I was only going to say and, and add to that that our marginal explosiveness on on average is better than their marginal explosiveness on offense. Our defensive marginal explosiveness, so. If that, yeah. you know, gives anything to you by by a significant margin, actually. Our margin uh-huh. is higher uh-huh. than their margin. <laughs> right. uh, Abby Vincent Key, she asks CBC, are you guys going to do a live show this season? We want to. We would love to. Yeah. We're, we're, we're looking into it. There are a lot of logistics we can't say that go for into sure, that, but... especially with uh, Nathan's schedule and surrounding, you know, football weekends. It's kind of tough. And so yeah. we would love to, and we will still try to, but we will keep you updated mm-hmm. if something goes on. We're looking into it actively. Our next portion comes in uh, another one from Ryan Clark. He asks, what is your favorite CBC-ism of your co-host? 
And so he has a second piece to that, but we'll, we'll answer that first one first, I guess. Do you have a favorite CBCism of me? It is what it is. It is. <laughs> when I when I hit you my... You say that a lot. I do at the end of my sentences when I'm like... It's, yeah. it's kind of like my Forrest Gump going, and that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, exactly. It's like your punctuation mark. It is what it is. You know, it is what it is. My favorite CBCism. My the only things that came to mind for me for you, and there's so many things you you say that will resonate more with the listener. But the things that I recognize the most that you do are like your little like you you make little sounds that I hear and nobody else hears because I take a lot of them out. But yeah, one of my favorite things is when you're about to say something and I know I need to make my point. Is you'll you'll kind of go. Uh, uh, it's like you're 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 cranking up to go. Like yeah, you're, you're, I, I you're am breathing bad. in. Like when you say, when you say something that I disagree with, but I don't want to openly disagree with you. I just want to be like, <laughs> uh, well, when you say that, and you know where that comes from. You know where that comes from. I, I know exactly where that comes from. It comes from in there's a in Love Actually, which is like kind of Samantha yes. and I's weird movie that we watch at the holidays. There's a part where there Hugh Grant as the prime minister is talking about this like assistant that he's falling in love with, and his other assistant calls her chubby. And she said, he goes, uh, would we, would we say she's stubby? And that's, I, yeah, that's, that's how it's like my very British way of disagreeing with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I guess another, another really good CBCism was just, I want to think of another one that people can know. Zeitgeist? The, yeah. All the words you say are, are good too, but I think more, mine's more of like your, your behaviors, like certain behaviors you have. And, and like at the end of a point when you make one or when, when you actually, like you may I, I don't know if this is true or not but i feel like sometimes when you you don't entirely agree with what i say but you agree enough to to kind of move on you kind of go yeah yeah okay yeah i can yeah i can agree with that that's fine <laughs> that's yeah, good it's enough like, i don't, I don't want to be a pedant yeah i don't want to be a pedant so i'm not gonna like well i mean i and i think that generally we agree we agree with each other enough that like kind of bickering over the little stuff usually it's, it's just it. like a it's more of a it's more of a phrasing thing that i would disagree with most of the times than it is like a i i think your main point is bullshit you know what i mean yeah it's because we're getting the the same stats we're looking over the same stats and it's yeah. it's a yeah, matter so it's of like, whether or not like, we're reading them correctly and if we are then we can agree yeah, on everything. and, and the only the, the only time that i'll ever like if you just read something wrong or i read something wrong i think we're gonna say something but like other than that just pretty much like uh, yeah you're basically right <laughs> so yeah that's that and then ryan clark's second piece was do you think the lack of clarity from uj's coaching staff to the from field's quote-unquote controversy is just kirby playing 40 chess i think that kirby doesn't give a damn personally about the controversy. yeah i mean i think that i think it is 40 chess in the sense that when he says there is no plan that's that's bs that's that's patently yeah that kirby kirby smart has never not had a plan he has he has a plan every time he gets up in the morning and takes a crap he has a plan every time he makes love to his wife he has a plan (laughs) like there's no he has a plan like that's bs so yeah yeah, in that sense it is 40 chess because he just doesn't want to say but i don't think it's like i think it is in the sense that he definitely is i think it is 40 chess in the sense that he definitely is trying he's trying to avoid the kelly bryant situation but i don't think it's one of those things where it's like 40 chess usually implies that like he did something that we think is stupid that actually is smart but at the same time like i don't think he did anything that was stupid i just think he's been you know doing it well yeah i think he's handling it very well from what I can understand, it doesn't seem like there are any issues. And Justin Fields and Jake Fromm both seem happy. But also, they handle everything internally. So there's no way for us to know unless something blows up or someone leaks you know, information from the locker room or something. But I don't foresee that happening. But I think Kirby Smart's the smartest man I know. Uh, our very last question comes from Kyle Andrich. 
He asks, where can a dog get a bite and drink downtown before the game? Three question marks. He really wants to know this. Do you have any answers? Yeah, I have answers. I, I think, obviously, uh, Creature, we always we always like, we always hype for Creature. I will say Creature gets a little, uh, little crowded downtown sometimes, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth going, but it does get pretty crowded. Um, I really like uh, eating-wise downtown. I'm like I'm a huge fan of the place. Mm-hmm. I think it's very good. It's like kind of upscale Southern. Um, it's very. It's not good. really like a football place to eat though. I still really like Polly's. It's kind of a little fratty for my taste. Polly's great, and they have good screens. I like Polly's. Polly's is good, man. Yeah, I'm um, not gonna yuck your yum. I don't know. What do you got? I like the place a lot. The place is definitely on my short list of places to go. Haha. It is a little small, uh, and so it's gonna be. You'll probably have a short wait. Yeah, but I, I don't know if I don't know if it's like a it's like a game day place. Like, yeah, when it comes to downtown. Unless you're gonna I eat mean, during I, the game, because <laughs> they'll yeah, be dead during, during the game. game. It'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I really like. Um, I know, I know this person. He's not eating there during the game. Um, I quite like if for like just for a drink. I really think that um, Cutters is really under underrated. Cutters is way bigger now too. It's it's better than you think it is. It seems like a dive, and and it is. I, I just want to like, but it's good. I want to stump. I want to stump for cutters. Cutters seems like a dive, but it's nice. It's nice inside. The people tend to be nice. Um, uh, obviously, Max Canada is everyone's favorite dive, which and they'll have the game on as well. You can date people um, by uh, how what they call Max Canada if they still call it Max. Yeah, Canada everybody or not. calls it Max. It's, yeah, it's well, Max. yeah, because yeah. four or five years ago it switched to Max, but you know exactly how long yeah. anybody's been living here if they still call it Max Canada. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was here before when it was Max Canada. Yeah. So, um, one of my favorite one-two punches is to go to Clocked and then go to Max. Ooh, and it's so that's good. That's like a really that's a nice one-two punch. Get a really good uh, hamburger at Clocked, then walk over to Max, and then you're right there. And you're actually not that far if you want to walk to the game from there. And then if you're really feeling feisty, you can do like the Clocked Maxed uh, Creature Comforts like triangle. That's uh, that's a real dangerous triangle, but it's fun. It's a good triangle. Hey, also the thing about creature comforts now is you were talking about space. They took a lot of the bigger, the 120 barrel tanks out. Oh so yeah, there is a lot the more bi- space. Yeah, they put the the big tanks out. Yeah, and it's still there's gonna be AC there now too, which is a game yeah, changer. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, it's still definitely crowded. But it, you know, you get in, and you get out pretty quick. Panda Express is in the Tate Center, and I freaking love Panda Express. There is a new wing I mean, place downtown, I, I don't know too. If that's, like an, that's not like an objectively Athens place. Yeah. The wing place is all right. Yeah, it's pretty good. You've already said all my my, my my really good restaurants, but there is now like a wing place and a pizza place or burger place right next door to each other where the old um, like East West Bistro used to be. Yeah, it's actually good. And and if you want to just like a, a straight up like Athens, like sports bar experience, like Blind Pig downtown is a good place to go. Yeah. Um, their food's their food's solid. They got a lot of good beer. And it's just like it is the UGA experience, so far as I'm concerned. If you in also terms of just like, there's going to be a bunch of dumb people there being doing oh yeah. dumb things. One of the um, one of the things we did for the Middle Tennessee game is we went to uh, Grindhouse beforehand, and it's not something that I would ever really think about to go all the way out of Grindhouse. But we live over in Five Points. From yeah. Grindhouse to the stadium is not a bad walk, and it was you know good service and good food and good beer. So. I would say check out Grindhouse too if you don't want to deal with downtown and you want if you have like a little bit more time to uh, kind of walk around before the game. Our very last segment. Our uh, the Dr. James Bearfield DM Troll Corner presented by Cheerwine, the wine that gives you diabetes. TM TM TM. Copyright copyright. James Bearfield's first question: How do you think Vandy was able to keep a close game with the top ten ND uh, Notre Dame? 
that's actually we kind of already answered that um basically you know it's basically the brandon wimbush factor uh they didn't have they weren't playing their best quarterback at the time and they had to win close because vandy has a decent defense could the vanderbilt anchor be the answer to suppley's paradox (laughs) i guess yeah suppley's paradox is actually pretty easily resolvable though like suppley himself said that like it was easy to resolve suppley's paradox is the idea that if you take a bullet and that is uh neutrally buoyant and you put it in a perfect liquid that is to say a liquid that does not have that uh, in which you can um, ignore resistance and um, like fluid compression and you accelerate the bullet to relativistic speeds from the outside frame of reference of the bullet because the bullet is shortening in length it's going to look like it's going down and from the outside or from if you were sitting on the bullet uh, at relativistic speeds from that frame of reference the, the bullet would look like it was rising now there's a, a pretty in, there's a pretty simple way to solve out this paradox which is the idea that basically it really depends on the neutralness of the bullet and if the bullet was truly neutrally buoyant it would eventually get pulled down by gravity because anything any any object in a uh, gravitational field that is equal will have a slight downward trend over a long period of time and then also like the fact that you're assuming that the like it the other way you resolve this paradox is that if, if you assume that the container of water is flat like no container water that could hold a, a bullet going at relativistic speeds would be truly flat because if it was the size of say the ocean the bottom floor of the ocean would always be curving or rising which means that it you know the bullet would be falling or rising relative to the bottom of the ocean as it moved so yeah i maybe vandy has like the metaphys vandy's a real smart school maybe they have like the metaphysical anchor that's like that's the that's the one constant that we've ignored when we're talking about general rel- relativity nice that's the show yeah this has been chapel bell curve you can find us on wherever you're finding us right itunes google play uh spotify anywhere else you can subscribe we will try to update them on our website chapelbellcurve.com which i will admit has not been very we've not been doing very well at uh, recently but we're going to get better at it um you can contact us at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com or on twitter instagram or facebook at chapel bell curve we look forward to seeing you this weekend uh, to light up Sanford. But until then, go, go dogs. dogs.